Hi, thank you for joining me on the Dale Allen Podcast. This episode features a wonderful film screening and discussion event where I hosted Vicki Noble. I have admired Vicki and her work for decades. She and Karen Vogel created the Motherpiece Tarot Cards, and Vicki authored several highly respected books on female shamanism, including Shakti Woman. For this event, a group of women met online and watched my film In Our Right Minds. Afterwards, Vicki gave her responses to the film and, of course, brought her wisdom and insight on the many topics raised in the film. Please visit InOurRightMinds.net. I have lots of news with a new book, In Our Right Minds. I am very excited about this. I also have a long-awaited curriculum that I am now teaching. And, of course, there's the film, which has been awarded by 19 independent film festivals. So there are lots of ways to connect and be inspired. And now, my event with Vicki Noble. This recording begins just after the film ended and the discussion began. Bravissima! <laughs> yeah, really, really, really. Well, the film is wonderful. It's wonderful in so many ways, just as the performance piece has always been. I, I love so many things about it, but you know, Dale, you're acting your interpretive reading is so powerful and you've used it in such a healing way for women, for the planet. And that's what comes through to me as I'm watching you bring these hideous male misogynistic texts to, to us. They, they are hard to listen to. And at the same time, it's so important that we actually somehow come to understand and, and uh, grapple with the misogynistic way that we women have been perceived all of these millennia since patriarchy began. These are historical passages that illustrate some of the foundations of the proscriptions against the feminine. It's an important part of the journey. Now, men in the audience know that you are profoundly loved. This is our human journey. We're all on a pathway of transformation and growth. The women of former days took two husbands, but the women of today, if they attempt to do this, must be stoned to death. Mesopotamian Law Code 2350 BCE. The male is by nature superior and the female inferior. The one rules and the other is ruled. This principle of necessity extends to all mankind. Aristotle, 4th century BCE. Patriarchy began, which actually, in the overall course of things, wasn't that long ago, as you pointed out. I love that. You know, the perspective is something that we were not given in our educational process. Still, uh, children are not given that perspective in their educational process in most schools. And you've showed us the perspective of goddess imagery, uh, female divine imagery for, for the last 30,000 years. And so you see that for 25,000 of those years, the goddess was the only image. You know, once in a while, I shouldn't say that because then I'll get corrected. Of course, there was an occasional male image 
uh, or an, a phallic image or something like that. But the contrast of, uh, as Gimbutas told us, just, just in the Neolithic in old Europe, more than 100,000 female figurines were found. And <clears throat> yes, there were, what, half a dozen, maybe a dozen male images in, in all that time. Um, so it's not like men aren't there. And it's not like men aren't appreciated uh, and, and included in the divine appreciation of our sexuality and our differences and so on. But because the cultures were female-centered, they were egalitarian. <clears throat> so I really love that you brought that in and articulated it so clearly. It's so important because people are so confused about patriarchy and matriarchy, you know, and the, the word matriarchy has, uh, has such an impact for people in a negative way. They recoil from it because they are either afraid that it's going to be the same old thing, but in reverse, or they're, or I think, I think men are legitimately afraid that we'll take it out on them if we ever get the power, you know, if we had the same power that they have over us, it would be terrible for them. But we don't, and there's never been uh, any, um, <clears throat> you know, nobody's excavated a culture where women appear to dominate men. There's just never been a finding like that, because that's not what matriarchy is. Matriarchy is always egalitarian. Merlin Stone writes, in the beginning, people prayed to the creatress of life. At the very dawn of religion, God was a woman. And in a survey of 150 cultures today, anthropologist Peggy Reeves Sanday found a strong contrast between societies that celebrated female power and those organized in terms of male dominance. What she found was a strong correlation between goddesses and female creators and participation of women in sacral roles, a positive view of nature, connection to the land, and female power in society. These cultures are matriarchal. Now, matriarchal cultures do not mirror patriarchal cultures with women in power over men. In matriarchal cultures, there are no rulers because no one is ruled. Decisions are made cooperatively. Matriarchal cultures value community, birthing, nurturing, creativity, intuitive intelligence, earth, nature, the eternal cycles of birth, growth, death, renewal, sensuality, sacred sexuality, peaceful resolution of conflict, general harmony. These cultures have a holistic worldview where woman is respected, nature is respected. The divine is understood to be embodied in you, in me, and in nature, not out there somewhere abstract and disembodied. The perfect image is the Tao. You know the image of the Tao, everybody with the I Ching symbols in, in, in the center. So the black and the white and the white and the black. And when the summer solstice comes, we don't celebrate the daytime, even though it seems like that's what we're cheering, you know, wow, our days are so long. But no, the, the astronomers fix the point of the summer solstice and it's fixed by the fact that the sun, the light, begins to diminish at that moment. And then for the next six months, will diminish to the point of the 
winter solstice. So we're always celebrating the dark within the light, the lightest day. And we're always celebrating the light at the darkest point of the year, uh, which is just wonderful. And so I always, the, the, the actual original symbol of the Tao in Chinese, uh, what is it called? In, in the Chinese, the radicals, you know, the system of writing is so different from ours. And in the, in the original system 5,000 years ago, it was uh, stick figures. And the stick figure, the original symbol of the Tao is the pregnant mother. And so I always think, okay, the Tao shows us the pregnant mother with her male and female child in the womb, and she loves them both equally, and she's going to nourish and nurture them both equally. And that's matriarchy. Everybody has a mother, and everybody knows who their mother is. But anyway, I think it's so good to talk about matriarchy and show the images and really educate again and again and again about it. And, and this way of educating, which is so entertaining and so evocative and moving and, you know, makes us cry, right? You know, it's, it's an amazing way to kind of bypass that left brain, rational, overthinking part of ourselves. And just boom, reach the heart, boom, reach the unconscious, you know, the images do that. And the performative function does that. And Dale, you do that so well, it's so beautiful. Thank you. The textual references, as I say, are horrifying and important to hear. The, the Nietzsche one, can you say it offhand? I didn't write it down, but it's just so shocking. Oh, yes, ma'am should be trained for war, and woman for the recreation of the warrior. And how far have we come from that? I, didn't I know, I know, it's just horrifying, but it's so explicit. And in our culture today, I just think we're not that far from it. You know, that that's, that's how the, all the new, uh, you know, the horrendous pervasive pornography in our culture since the 1980s has become so unbearable and it's all online and it's basically what boys do online. And, you know, it's like we're training our boys to be warriors and we're training them to not be sensitive tantric lovers and partners. We're training them to be, you know, to be so focused because that's what the pornographic uh, imagery is all about. They just go for it. And the women are, you know, there for their entertainment and, and even robots now, sex and robots, you know, I'm, I, I can't even follow it. I'm 75 and I can't believe where we have ended up. But in the meantime, as Dale points out so beautifully in the film, the mother has left a memory in us all. Blessed be. Listen now to the song of the Kogo Indians of Colombia. The mother of songs, the mother of our whole seed bore us in the beginning. 
She is the mother of all races of people, of all temples and all tribes. She is the mother of the thunder, the mother of the rivers, the mother of the rain, the mother of the trees and all things. She is the mother of the animals, the only one, and the mother of the Milky Way. She is the mother of the grain, the only one we have. She alone is the mother of all things. She alone. And the mother has left a memory in us all. You know, I've always felt that the, the goddess arises. First of all, she arises through time over and over and over again in different places, like a bubbling spring that can't be suppressed. And she arises that way in us, you know, her daughters, her priestesses. We remember other lifetimes. We remember who we are as women in times when that was more in the foreground than it is now. It's a little bit of an effort now to figure out who we are as women, especially these days when actually it's starting to be like a legal thing. Can we even say women anymore? You're, you know, you're supposed to say person. <clears throat> so we won't go into that, but the mother has left a memory in us all. That was very touching for me. And I think the wisdom of indigenous cultures is generally very touching and very matriarchal. When we made the mother piece cards, that was something Karen Vogel and I were very much focused on. Indigenous cultures around the world, we had come to understand that their way of seeing the world and the values that they lived by uh, from that worldview were so gentle and peaceful. And they from that perspective, they learned how to resolve conflict and uh, they, they did everything they do. There are living matriarchal cultures still today. They're like pockets of ancient matriarchy, you know, all over the planet. And those matriarchal cultures are still today resolving their problems by consensus. Now, consensus in our fast-paced Western culture is so tedious. We can't even imagine how we could sit through all those meetings and sit through all that representation. You know, a village will have a, the villagers will get together and have an idea or uh, make a decision. Then, th then someone, a representative from that group goes to the larger you know, council of villages and so on to the larger and larger. And, and each time the messengers, that's all they are, and they're often the men of the culture, uh, the, the messengers bring back the decision and bring it back again until everyone has participated. I think even children in many of these cultures participate and certainly old people do which does not really happen in our culture uh, these days. So, um, so I love that. And I love matriarchal culture. I have a t-shirt that says matriarchy now. And I, I love wearing it because it, uh, you know, it's like a Dakini uh, moment where you wear what? Matriarchy now, <laughs> you know? So I, I think it's really good for us to put out those kind of sound bites and let people chew on them a little bit. Um, <clears throat> I like so much the way you use the art. 
uh, Deborah Koff Chapin and all the other artists that you show. They're, they're just, it's so evocative. Again, it, it touches us in a very direct way. And the, and the frontal lobe doesn't really have much to say about it. We can critique it later, but the immediate response is just like what happens with the tarot cards when you read the mother piece cards. You know, I always say, if you get a negative card, you can put it back and ask for a new one because it already got you. You already looked at it. You know, you already had the experience. It's done. So you can cope with that. And then you can also ask for something that's a little more nourishing or makes you feel better or whatever. <clears throat> that's called a helper. Um, the images are direct. They're instantaneous. Speech is an ability for which we use the left hemispheres of our brain. Listening to a speaker engages both hemispheres. We process the language we hear and the speaker's expression, nuance, and gestures. To read and write, however, we rely primarily on the left hemisphere of the brain, which is also known as the masculine hunter-killer hemisphere, with a logical abstract approach. Looking at images, icons, idols, representations of the visual world, is a task for which the right hemisphere is especially skilled. I loved all the stuff you did with the Egyptian material, Hathor and Isis and Horus and Jesus and <laughs> all the connections, like, wow, that's beautiful. We need to know that too, <clears throat> those direct quotes, you know, so that we can see how the patriarchal uh, culture organized itself by just basically appropriating all of what had gone before and that uh, the, the goddess religion and the priestesses had uh, been practicing, how what humans had been practicing for 200,000 years, more than that, you know. Oh, yeah, the goddess put to the sword. What a, what a concept. The new male monotheistic Yahweh commanded that the goddess cultures be put to the sword. The new texts gave specific instructions to eliminate all sacred artifacts and sacred places belonging to the religions that preceded them. Yahweh commanded, you must destroy all the places where the nations you dispossess have served their gods, on high mountains, on hills, under any spreading tree. You must tear down their altars, smash their stone pillars to pieces, burn their symbols of the goddess Asherah, cut down their sacred poles, and wipe out their name from that place. Deuteronomy 12.2 They're still doing it. The most recent archaeological material that takes on in any way uh, the work of Gimbutas and what they call the goddess construct. These, these current archaeologists are really doing um, a very conscious effort collectively. They're trying to organize a conscious collective effort to kill the goddess, which this one guy actually says, um, he's from UCLA and he actually, he puts the word out, you know, we have to take this on. We have to come up with a story as gripping as the story that Gimbutas, as the goddess construct, uh, because otherwise, you know, we'll never get rid of the goddess. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you won't, dude. It's true. So the, uh, the archetype of the goddess being restored. The archetype that has been with us since the day we were born, this archetype of the goddess, 
is gaining energy. It's like a long-lost part of us that's being restored. And this long-lost part brings a wave of healing and balance to us all and to whatever faith or spiritual practice we follow. Or again, even if we are agnostic or atheist, we benefit from healthy images and energy for the feminine in ourselves and our cultures. It's a kind of, it's a skill that we goddess women have, have, have learned to have. And, and also Buddhists do this. You know, you have to have the two tracks all the time. I feel like I'm always, I always have these two realities happening and they're equally true. You know, on the one hand, there's, there's the material world, there's science, there's the climate crisis, there's the fact that we've gone way too far to ever come back from it. So it's doomsday. We're, we're headed over Niagara Falls in a barrel. There's nothing more to say about it, you know? But that's only one track. That's the material plane. That's the, that's the you, what you see is what you get. And it's real. And we live in that world and we have to cope with it and contend with it. But, you know, there's this other world that we've come to know and that spiritual people always know where things are not as they seem. And materiality can be transformed instantly. Think of, uh, think of um, hands-on healing. Think of a healing ritual where you're bringing in such big energy, such high voltage, that it has the power to instantaneously change the physical plane. Therefore, there can be spontaneous recoveries, which science cannot explain. It's just too non-rational. And so I, I, that's my path that I love, is that path of the invisible, the synchronicity, the, uh, the life of the spirit, the way that the spirit interacts with the material plane all the time, if we pay attention and, and receive it and, and have uh, an interest in it, a little curiosity goes a long way. And uh, I wrote in Shakti Woman, you know, that it's, it's a path. You, you take a step and the universe responds. If you pay attention, then you respond then the universe responds, oh my goodness. And then you're navigating life on this other path. And on that path, anything is possible at any moment. I don't mean that we have the power, you know, individually or even probably as a group to uh, consciously, intentionally uh, make it different. But the earth has such powerful regenerative capacities and our bodies have such powerful regenerative capacities. And we don't understand that. And all the scientific talk about it in the world is not gonna actually explain it. All the different ways that we systematize and try to figure out how it is that the healing energy comes down and what it does. And you know, none of it matters because it's that. It's that, it's, it's the mystery, the invisible mystery. It's the, it's the where we're all one. It's where everything is sourced from and goes back to, it's the goddess. And so given that I put all my hope there, hoping for the best. And I put all my conscious 
paying attention energy on the doomsday problem, you know, and try to do things that will lead in a, a, a fundamentally better direction at the same time that I, I hold out for the changes that I feel can happen and the way that I think the mother will intervene, does intervene all the time in this crazy process we're in. So, yeah. I do really want to thank you for everything that you just shared. Thanks so much for joining me. Please do visit www.inourrightminds.net for the book, the film, the curriculum, and lots of great ways to connect and be inspired.